everybody, check it out. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to start a podcast. It has all the tools in one place that you need right from your phone or computer to edit and publish your podcast. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listing platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. I'm using it right along with you. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com Follow me on Reddit at Frankie Tees and on Twitter at Frankie Tees for supplemental discussion. The Frankie Files podcast is researched, written, recorded, and edited by me, Frankie Tees. October is back to school for Frankie Files podcast. For back to school, my guests and I will dive in to how education is twisted around religion for teen and young adults. Whether recruited on campus, having their education choices limited, we will explore this in episode 36 through 39. Tabitha Chapman, Andrew Pledger, Ryan Hernandez, and Sari Crawford make up our very special October Back to School focus. Stay tuned. Today, our special guest is Ryan from the Truth That Heals podcast. You can find his podcast on Anchor, and it's about cults, trauma, and healing. In the beginning, the episodes are testimonials and may have explicit language. Now he's having more guests and others to talk about their religious abuse and their journey towards healing. Ryan Hernandez was in California when he was recruited into serving on a Catholic mission. His life was forever changed over the next 11 years, and now he's got a lot to say. I'm glad to bring this episode to you. The name of the community operating with Friar Bean is AHFI, Alliance of the Holy Family International. The name of the division Ryan was in was Oath. Oblate Apostles of the Two Hearts of Jesus and Mary. Today, listen to Ryan on the topic of Catholic cults. Trigger warning. Some people may find topics discussed in this episode difficult. Please proceed with caution. Well, I started the podcast maybe almost a year ago. However, it started more of as like a testimonial, you know, getting yeah. it off my chest, all of the damage that happened to me in, in the cult that I was in. Right. Because upon leaving, you know, other ex-members, they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to. Yeah. It's like everything that I was saying uh, to ex-members, they were saying that, um, hey, pretend it didn't happen. Just move on. Since it is called the truth that heals, you know, first I wanted to kind of um, be vulnerable with the audience and be mm-hmm. like, hey, this is my story. This is who I am. 
And eventually later on, as it's developing, I would love to hear other people's truths, other people's stories. So that's the route that my podcast is going. And that's why it's called The Truth That Heals. You were saying earlier that, you know, that silent treatment, it's hard. It's like, where am I going to get some kind of a support team if um, no one else yeah. is accepting the, these truths? I like the feel of it. I've already listened to several episodes. In your case, we're dealing with Catholicism, right? Yes, Catholicism. <laughs> well, I'd like to tell the story of how um, your family was involved and how you got signed up for this particular program and walk people through it as you learned about it. Some of my views have obviously changed. Um, my family was not involved in the cult realm. Uh, and the thing is that with some groups, uh, there is like just this normalcy. But once you get in deeper, there is this uh, crazy cult system that's in place. And I think from, you know, looking back, because my parents would give money and uh, it, it seemed like you're supporting a, a righteous thing, a righteous movement. And, and the goal of the movement was to help families. One of the missions that they would do is like they help families who are like on the brink of divorce, kind of to like sit down and talk and maybe try to, you know, bring some kind of peace or bring some kind of agreements. And, and that's what the missionaries would do. That's what I would do later on. However, because it is a religious group and for those who are uh, those who are familiar with like, Catholicism and the way it works, there is like, you know, like the military, how you have Air Force, you have the Marines. In Catholicism, mm -hmm. you have different religious identities, which could be like the Franciscans uh, who focus more on poverty. You have the Jesuits who focus on, uh, I think, teaching and, and so many different. There are so many different identities that you can take. And so the community that I took was still is relatively new in, in the Catholic organization. So they did come off as as very straightforward, very Catholic. But once I got in and once I was deep into it, there were so many secrets that I saw that was being kept from our families, being kept from the rest of the church. And there was this like the same tactics of manipulation, of gaslighting, mm -hmm. of um, taking advantage of, of uh, you know, your I, you, the person's young age, because me, I was I was 16. There were other people who joined at 15. And I'm going to stop you there. You were 16 and living what part of the country? California, right? I was in Cali. Yeah, I was in California. I was in uh, near Long Beach area, I think. Long Beach in the house. And then where did they take you? Like when you entered the program, where did you go? They've been uh, approved to stay in the Los Angeles diocese. And the thing is that many people who followed the group didn't know what was happening was that they had been kicked out because of some shady things that had been happening in their leadership and that had been that other members before me had already complained about. And we didn't know about it. So they're functioning in L.A. in secret. And then I got invited to a retreat right. in Omaha where they were invited, I mean, with, where they were approved to stay. I was happy, you know, just the, the, the calmness okay. and the, the farms and everything. I, I really enjoyed it. I was there for a retreat and um, they, they hmm. you know, they, they grabbed onto the opportunity and it's like, hey, you want to join? I don't know if other people here who have been in calls have experienced that hypnotic look. 
and that look yeah. is like, hey, you have a call to join us, so you need to come and follow. And so I was like, oh, damn, you know, this guy is a holy person, so I might as well leave everything. So I did. I left everything, joined, and then I turned 17, and then I was sent to Delaware. Um, in Catholicism, there is this thing called religious groups, religious orders. And, yeah. you know, I think people are more familiar with nuns. So mm -hmm. typically you join uh, a congregation or a convent and then you take vows. It's supposed to be a very prayerful spiritual journey. If you're in one community, let's say you're in Nebraska, you're under one superior. If I get sent to Delaware, I'm under another superior. However, we always go back to the founder who is a man who, he's a priest, but his main base was at that time in the Philippines. Because in, in the way of formation for religious communities, there is, okay, there, these are terms that people probably aren't familiar with. When you <laughs> join in a religious community, it's called the postulant. That's the time where you just kind of, you know, get to stay with them, kind of learn the okay. ins and outs of the community. Then there's the novitiate. The novitiate is like the boot camp. That's the time where you learn the prayer life, you learn the structure, you learn the rules and the constitution. And then there is what's called uh, temporary vows. Um, I'm not sure if anyone has watched the, the, the documentary, The Keepers on Netflix, but they talk about temporary vows where like a nun, she will take the vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience, but only for a temporary time. And after that set time, you're allowed to leave, you're allowed to stay, you get, you're given that freedom to choose. However, in my community, that freedom was taken away and it's like well they'll say we're not taking away your freedom you know you can you can leave whenever you want god's not gonna love you you're gonna be you're gonna be punished you're gonna be cursed enjoy your damnation for for eternity so gaslighting it was, it was very manipulative gaslighting mm -hmm. exactly yep you're a bad person if you leave but you have free will don't worry so they leveled you up with some manipulation and then what happened after the Delaware location. After Delaware, we went to the Philippines. However, uh, we got mm -hmm. kicked out again by another bishop. And as this is happening, we're getting kicked out by different places. The way our priests and the way our founder would kind of present it is this is the end times, the great persecution. And this is just proof mm -hmm. that we are offering something holy. So we need to Stand firm. So we would go go about dressed up as students because our, our mentality is they're like Freemasons in the church and they're out to kill us. They're going to hunt us down. So we have to go incognito Ooh. to uh, reach the, the people in different cities. So they're already teaching you a lot of apocalypticism, which is as old as time, by the way, Jesus's time <laughs> yeah. that, that was used to spread the word that, you know, Jesus was the savior apocalypticism the world's going to end fear mongering very popular in religion mm -hmm. but gosh you're already kind of living this odd secret life you've been kicked out you were probably wondering wait a minute if we're all in the same uh catholicism why are we getting kicked out by other bishops i bet that was a red flag there it wasn't a red flag because i have been trained like we're trained to have complete Okay, now, now getting into yeah. vows, there are three degrees of obedience. The first one is obedience. First degree, I think it's uh, of judgment, where you surrender your, ju your judgment. Uh, the will, you surrender your will, and then you, you surrender your complete reason. 
However, they took it up a notch and they, there's this term that they coined. It's the fourth degree of obedience. So the mentality is okay. uh, many people, many, you know, Christians, Catholics and, you know, followers of God have died miserable deaths or you can say martyrdoms. If they were willing to die for Christ, you must be willing to die to yourself. So there's a thing that they, that they put up called fourth degree of obedience. And although I didn't do this, uh, this intense form of obedience, I know other victims that did. And what happened was, uh, this is hard. This is hard to say because it's members were told, okay, for obe- for your obedience, for your martyrdom, you have to eat feces. You have to either yours or someone else's. The mentality is if you don't, then it's okay. Like you're not humble. Terrible. I know members who were forced to do it. Holy shit. I knew that some had. You're trained to be like a militant. I'm going to get the job done. I'm, I'm going to be like, like, you know, the Terminator. You're going to get the job done. Whatever the obedience is. No yep. sleep, no food, whatever. Let's do it. When you go to the Philippines, what was the structure change? It, it is like a boot camp. However, different superiors. It, it is a religious community. However, I feel that it's been hijacked by cult-like members during that time it was really confusing because i would have superiors who would really focus on charity uh, spend your time in prayer on studying and doing things you know normal and then they'd be sent somewhere else or they'd be sent to a mission or something and then i get another superior who would be like i'll give an example because for us like our sleep was like from 11 p.m. to 3 3 a.m., we had very little sleep, and we're kneeling for like six, seven hours, praying from 3 in the morning to like 10 a.m. And the idea that the superior would give is if someone next to you is falling asleep, it's, yeah, it's like, well, because there's like 40 of us. So if a person anywhere in the room in the chapel is sleepy, you have to slap them to wake them up. If you don't do it, then you're disobedient, and you're not following God. I'm trained to be hardcore, so... I go and I slap someone and then I go, I go back to, to my, my place in the chapel and then I'd fall asleep. Someone would slap me and then I'm pissed off. You can't fight back. Sleep deprivation and food deprivation really messes with your mind. It does. It does. I remember it gets you in this weird twilight zone. Your reality is upside down and you just start ignoring the signals like, I got to eat. No, I got to sleep. Nope, ignore that. I can see how mm-hmm. how effective that must have been. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com You talked about misappropriation of funds a little bit. Was there something there in the Philippines? I think I realized about the funds kind of later on. Towards the end, I mean, I mean it, it, the 11 years is like all in one little ball because I'm, I'm getting older in profession in, within the community. So you're expected to, mm-hmm. and they give you all these checklists. There's like unlimited checklists. And one of the things is you need to train on how to be a recruiter and how to procure money to keep the ball rolling in the community. I remember once I, I procured money from my family in the U.S., 
I picked it up through Western Union. The role is you're supposed to surrender everything you get. But I was hungry. I mean, I hadn't eaten. I hadn't, you know, really drank anything. Mm. So I went to McDonald's. I had like a small apple pie, hash browns in the Philippines. But there are spies. So someone reported it. And the one who reported, I know who did it, you know, son of a gun. You know, he reported it. And the funny thing is that he was also at McDonald's eating, but because he's an older member, superior member, it's okay for him. When I got snitched on, I had to go through a beating. And, you know, beatings were normal. You have to, you know, you lay, you get flagellated. We would have these whips and they're like ropes. We make these ropes. And at the end of the ropes, we like make knots with a candle or with a flame. We would kind of melt the the fabric so that this we, we melt it a bit and then let it dry so it gets like really hard and thick so you know our t-shirts would be bloody our knees would be all bloody so this guy snitched on me and then i'm getting this public humiliation and at this time i'm already i'm already like in my 10th year and that was finally when i kind of stood up and i told the superior why am i getting beating this is this is this doesn't make sense and his response, you know, this isn't in front of everybody, in front of all the brothers. His response is, his response was, that just shows how much you love God. You're not going to, you know, take your penance. So he put me in a position where it's like, I, I got to take it because it's like, yeah, I do love God. So I was still, I'm finally seeing the red flags, but I was yeah. still under submission, if that makes sense. I'm not um, against penance. I think that sometimes, you know, a little penance, like, you know, maybe you want to skip a meal and maybe spend time in prayer and maybe meditate. Go ahead, do that. But when it becomes abusive and you're yeah. abusing yourself and you're, <laughs> you're making people... One member told me uh, her experience of, they told her, you know, you're not good enough to do the fourth degree because you're, you're so proud. You're not holy. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, humble you down that kind of like take you off your pedestal. And so for morning prayers, you're going to have poop smeared on your face and you got to keep it there. This is schizophrenic stuff. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing your story so far. That does sound like really horrifying. I guess my question for you is like, I hear that you kind of had this revelation that when they called you out for eating McDonald's that it, and punish you was wildly inappropriate. I was wondering, like, did you ever have any pang of guilt when you saw other members being harshly punished? Or were you just so like wrapped up in that system or in that cult that you understood that their punishment was like in a, in a sense like them serving God? That's a good question. Um, I'm gonna have to go back in time to maybe 2006 or seven. I was in I was in Laguna, Philippines, because in, in the novitiate there were like 40 or 50 of us, and we'd be like we'd be in groups. Uh, and I guess my group, I think we were the, the liturgy group, I guess we did some mistakes. So for our, our punishment, we had to, to flagellate, to whip each other, I think like 50, 60 times, I don't remember. And I remember uh, it was hard for us because we were still kind of new to that uh, mentality of, of the beatings. Of the Slappings was one thing, but, and the, you know, self-flagellation was another, but, you know, beating someone else was different. So I remember... Uh, my novice, uh, I don't want to say my novice master, but the, the one after the novice master, the, the assistant to the novice master, uh, he kind of prepped us. He was saying, okay, just, I know this is difficult, but um, uh, try, to ima- try to imagine, you know, Jesus when he took the scourging. 
you know, there had to be the uh, the uh, Roman soldiers. They had to do it because, you know, Jesus loved us and, and he allowed it. So as you're beating your brother, just just imagine you're you're mm-hmm. taking the role of of the, the soldier for Christ. And and so it, it kind of like there was guilt, but it's like you have to bury it at that moment and mm-hmm. and take over. And, you know, just and I went hard. They they'd go hard mm-hmm. on you. The thing I'd like to interject there about yeah. the cruelty mentally of that is they got you to turn on yourself like you don't believe in that and then you're doing it because god hashtag because god we've all been through as the survivor we've all been through that moment where you betray yourself i think that's their biggest Mm -hmm. cruelty is when we turn on ourselves and what we would never do but that coercive moment i mean you have no choice unless you're going to run out into the philippine forest right then and there and leave that's the position we're put in it was so hard. And my brothers afterwards, they asked me like, hey, like, did you feel good doing it? I said, absolutely not. And I, I asked them, how did you feel? And they, were, they also gave me the same answer. We felt yeah. miserable. But after that conversation, you have to bury it. And you forget all about it. And you, you just move forward, pretending it never happens. And since then, I've, I've made peace with, with these, these people. One of the reasons you went to this program, accepted the rules, etc., is that your brother had been through the similar mission and he didn't have the same experience. He thought it would be safe. Yeah, my brother joined before me for a few years and the way that he had it, he was already, I think, 22, 23. He was more of an adult. And for him, it was like a free ride to travel the world. And, you know, me and my brother, we grew up in Catholic school. So we knew already already like the foundations of Catholicism and him being older and he was good looking like he was offered a role on MTV and he he went for this he was telling me later that because I was sharing with him my stories my experience and it was different because in his time it wasn't really as structured as a religious group it was more structured as just like missionary kind of catechesis so he'd be sent to like Ireland Africa Italy uh, Germany. Mm-hmm. For him, he was saying, like, he always wanted to leave. When he would bring that up, hey, I think I'm, I'm going to leave. They would say, oh, we'll pay for your, your trip to uh, Ireland. So he said, well, free ride to Ireland. It doesn't compare to my story because it's like yeah. two different worlds. That realization that, you know, you are shaking down your parents for money that you don't get a cent of just to take care of basic needs. I mean, I was in the Philippines, and your communication with the outside world is very limited. They yeah. had that expectation that I was being taken care of because Father Bing, he would he would travel all over the freaking world, and he would be telling you know the followers, hey, we need money for them, we need them right. to you know have the basic needs, and he'd use that money to travel and make up. He make new houses and keep on recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Families didn't know this until recently, a few years ago, when the Vatican got involved and kind of kicked him out of the, kicked him out of the, um, the community. So there's 50 people in your particular group. How many people and how many locations are we talking about doing this? Okay, so in a compound, like in a, in a compound, I might be in, let's say, for example, because as I got older, I had more of a uh, position. So let's say yeah. I was... Now, now I'm the novice assistant, the novice master. Um, in my community of novices, there could be 50. And then in another building, you have the professed members who have taken their vows. 
you have another like 150 then so all together in one compound you could have like 300 to 400 and then down the street you have the compound for sisters who are like another 400 and they're also okay. broken up so all together we're about a thousand in the philippines and in america about probably 25 and then we had house houses in australia which probably had 15 brothers and 15 sisters and about two what's the name of it may i ask or is that something you talk about so the name of like the the whole thing was alliance of the holy family international and the name of my community of of the um like the branch of military that i was in we're called the oath and that stands for oblate of the two hearts uh, you know representing the uh two hearts of jesus and mary uh, I felt later on, like towards the end, that they were they were yearning for the separation from the cult leaders and were more transparent with families. So confusing because I see this I see this um, uh, pull and shove of powers where there's like this dark side wanting to have complete control, wanting to like abuse and manipulate. Right. And then I see this other power where it's like, hey, like if you want to leave, you know, we support you. We, you know, it, it was just so confusing. We were we were taught to have extremism to beat yourself right. up, and then you have this other group where it's like charity should be the the main thing, kindness, mm -hmm. you know, uh, forgiveness. So it was yeah. The the confusion was like, who do I follow? Because in the cult mentality, they were looking at at these other members who were trying to be more faithful to their vows. They were looking at them as if they were uh, weak soft sissies oh you don't want to be a martyr and so that's why we did have a split and then the the alliance the way that they're running now is very um like under the radar they're still doing all of the uh what do you call it apocalyptic things while the other group they're reaching out to ex-members saying hey we're sorry we're we're trying to learn how we can fix things that was that confusion for me and i don't hate the oath i don't hate the obvious apostles because i i do see that they have the guts to, you know, reach out and, and they're not trying to do that cult stuff anymore. They're just, you know, just being mm -hmm. like sitting down and listening to people. While the other, the other group, I did try to communicate with them and, you know, they shunned me, called me an a-hole. What they told me afterwards, afterwards was, I have to be quiet. If I say anything, it's a sin. I'm going to go to hell. There you go. So they're saying that while the other group is saying, hey, you have the right to speak the truth. That line of be quiet or you go to hell, you know, evangelical threat of any naysayer is so common, mm -hmm. is their thing. The people, you know, that I know were survivors of the cult I was in, Morningland. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no major books or stories, and I know so many lives that were destroyed, and I know it's a fear that keeps us silent, and it keeps us silent forever in some cases, right? You were in for how many years? Eleven. Yeah, so I was same, twelve. Damn. And when you leave, you start to re-examine your own behaviors, your own, what you learned there, and try to unleash it from your brain, because it wasn't healthy. But that whole gaslighting and that pressure... And that peer pressure living in that 24-7, your food's controlled, your sex is controlled, your time, your information checks all the boxes of a cult. So sorry you had that experience, Ryan. I wish it didn't happen 
Of course. I, you know, I missed out in high school. I had to leave high school. I was dropped out of high school too. So I missed the final years of high school due to my master's request. I did do in a religious community, you're supposed to have education. That's what the church wants. You get an education and you get degrees. But what Father Bing did, the founder of this community, was he made his own school through the Philippines and they would like make all these loopholes. And because I was a foreigner, yeah, I did my philosophy. And at the end, you know, on graduation day, it's like, sorry, you can't go up for the, for the graduation ceremony. I'm like, well, why not? Well, because you're a foreigner, so it's not really legit because we're kind of like cheating the system here. So it really like just messed me up. They, they set you up for failure. And so when I left, I'm this guy with no education. Like I, I did education. I did get like a philosophy degree. You could say a bachelor's degree in philosophy. But Thanks. yet, like I don't have a high school diploma. Papers there are like not even legit. Right. So it was just so... Robbing you of time you put in. And, you know, my parents are sending money thinking, thinking I'm getting the best formation, thinking everything right. is nice. So, like, earlier you asked me if my parents were involved in the cult. Yeah, they were, they, they were involved, but not in the cult uh, system that was, that was there because they're left out of that. Okay, Alliance of the Holy Family International. You can explain it to us. Okay, so, like, in religious communities. So, yeah, that's the name of the movement for the lay people. Lay people meaning, like, those who aren't priests. Like those who just go to regular church on Sunday. That's the name of the movement, you know, geared to focus on them. Once you join to the religious life, there are different names, different communities. And like mine was probably the Fossils of the Two Hearts. And then you have others. There's like six other groups. So it's... Um, one of the things I like to make sure and do is to, you know, simple activism, just letting people know a dangerous section. Obviously, <laughs> some of the sex are dangerous and if it's like 10 years 11 years of your life spent getting emotionally and physically tortured not going to recommend that like the oath that i was in i'm working with them now on you know you know reaching out to others and you know i'm also giving them my complaint so so i'm not smearing them and i hope no one like goes and attacks them because at least they're they're doing something okay. so like I, i'm going to give them the props on that there's six groups in in that community and some did go with Father Bing, and the others did, you know, remain, I guess, faithful to the Vatican. Well, those who went with Father Bing, they're still stuck in, like, manipulation, and, but they changed their names. So I don't even know what, what they're going off as anymore. Brian, that's what they all do. It's crazy. With this, they get the handbook, the cult handbook. When something goes south, change your name and relocate. Boom. Use cash only. Um, the name change is the same thing my cult did. They just changed their name to the monastery in Long Beach. Still a city block. Okay. But it's clear that they want to live forever. They want to keep the grift going. And it sounds like your father, being figured out yes. how to amass, I bet he's amassed a wealth, who knows, right? Well, I just discovered like maybe a few weeks ago that before he did my group, the obviously the apostles of the two hearts. He did other groups before that, but as he was getting deep into it, and I guess his greed and all this, the Vatican stopped yeah. him, and then he goes and does it somewhere else, and that's what he. That's his mo. Once Vatican strips him of being superior of a community, he goes, "All right, I'm just going to make another community, so he can be always on top." And allows him to do that. 
I'm in communication with a friend in the Vatican who actually is kind of inviting me to go over there to, you know, do some report because no one talks, no one says anything. And then this, this creep is doing the same thing. But the, mm -hmm. what people say is, oh, he's a holy guy. So, mm -hmm. so no, nothing sure. is done about it. Mine, he does work in the Vatican, has invited me, hey, either write a letter or come here yourself. I would love to go to Italy. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com You know, I'm not going to question anyone's beliefs where I have definitely questioned God since God was used against me to separate my family. It does make me consider myself a, a skeptic of the religion. But what I love about your situation is so unique is you're doing activism in the church so that other young people don't get hurt. This is almost like a borderline troubled teen industry story. Follow the teachings to subordinate to their program to help to do outreach, and you were subjugated to something so different than what should be going on. And the parents trust these organizations, you know? There's an absolute trust. And if you lack trust, it's like, well, you're, you're not trusting God. I know that there are members, you know, ex-members from my community who are, you know, they're homosexual or they're, <laughs> you know, no longer Catholic and they're, they're doing their own thing. And people got mad at me at first. I said, why are you talking to them? It's like, well, I'd rather talk to them than talk to you. And then they get, they, they get offended and say, well, why you got to be like that? I'm like, well, why do you, why do you got to be like that? I mean, they're human yeah. beings. You believe in God, right? So what gives you the authority to be a prick? And so I Ryan, friends. I think you got your self-esteem back. For the first few years after talking to Father Bing and he told me, you better keep your mouth shut or else you're going to you know, go to hell. I was in fear, but then I did do I uh, counseling to rewire my mind, you know, have that drive of, so I'm trying to be a resilient. That all pervasive fear, it just creeps into your bones. And you're thinking, wait, you know, something's going to get me. It's a paranoia they put on us to accomplish the fear mongering to get what they want, right? If you're not in fear, those 50 people could run them up. So they simply use it to, as uh, Dr. Lalish is speaking about in her book, a system of control. It's interesting when you said that you were in pairs. She talks about this in this book. I'm reading Bounded Choice. And the Heaven's Gate cult did that. And a lot of religions and cults do it. Is they pair us with someone that will keep us in line. Keep each other in line. <laughs> it's a yeah. lazy way of controlling people. Because the leader knows they can't really control you. If you don't believe, do you remember that moment when you were like, this is wrong. I no longer buy this. I didn't have that moment. However, I did speak to other religious members from other communities in LA. I, I actually got permitted to go to my brother's wedding in Los Angeles under condition that I bring another brother with me. So my family paid for both our tickets. And then wow. I get to LA the sisters and Father Bing are accusing me of being disobedient. You are given permission to go to the family wedding, which I know all about missing family events. Same. I get it. They mm -hmm. do that. So, like, they're, you're their property. But you can only go if you take a spy slash guard 
to keep you in line. You go I, with that demand and the parents yes. accommodate. You go there and then they double back and blame you of something anyway. So the kind of well to, to break it down, you know, so in the community that I was in at the time in the Philippines, I was with one of the good superiors. Okay. And so it was broken down to him that hey, like I have permission to go. He doesn't send me one of those spy brothers. He sends me like a, a friend of mine whom I've known even from before the community. We're like best friends. So it was like perfect. All right, so I'll go with him. Yeah. And and then we have a cell phone that we've we've been given. And then we're getting messages that the um that the bad sisters have found out that I'm in America for the wedding. And they're saying, Hey, we're here, we're here with Father Bing, and Father Bing is pissed off. He's saying that you never had permission, that you're lying, you're being uh, you're being attached to your family. And you know, that was that was never allowed. So as this is happening, like my mind is spiraling because then they use like the golden words, which is your obedience is to go back. And once, you know, for me, obedience, like I said before, you know, you're like a martyr. Obedience, you know, you take obedience, you know, to the death. So once they told me your obedience from Father Bing is to go home and not go to the wedding, I was ready to do so. But the only thing was I didn't have any money. So I, 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 I stayed for the wedding. But yeah. after, after the wedding, I spoke to a religious nun from another community that isn't cultish. And she yeah. gave me some advice, which kind of opened my eyes that something was wrong, but I never wanted to accept it. And I'm not sure if other survivors have gone through this where you're presented with the truth, but you don't want to look at it because you've, you've hold on. You've cherished this, this reality for so long. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to me. I only and you ended know, up leaving later. How long later after that okay. wedding? <laughs> a year and a half, maybe two years back. Not bad, not bad. About that moment you were just talking about, I've recently started telling my mom, I think it feels like the gambler's syndrome. So the gambler's okay. syndrome goes like this. Well, I've invested all this money, and if I walk away from this slot machine, this card table, whatever now, I won't win it back instead of saying i have invested this much time and this much money and i have no return on my investment it's time to cut the feeling is is false it's fake the feeling that you should stay because you believe everything that you're indoctrinated but it's a trick it's a trick it's not even accurate like you're saying you know all that time you spent Mm -hmm. And but like I'm I'm being faced with reality, so I did ask permission. Hey, like I've I've been here for so long, I'm 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 done with my my vows, I'm ready to leave. And it was like, no, you gotta stay, you gotta stay, you gotta be obedient. Just pray about it. So no matter how many times you ask to leave, you're gonna get either punished or they're gonna put you on silence. So yeah. what I did in the end was, I I had to uh, <laughs> I had to get a girlfriend and just take care of business and. They kicked me out. I I didn't know what to do. Like I I didn't want to. For me, like I was a virgin. I never. So it's like I didn't want mm. to just sleep with any chick. So I got you know I I got <laughs> I got with the teacher from the college and we okay. were dating at first. And it's like hey guys, you know I I tell like superior I'm kind of you know dating a little bit. And it's like, oh you just you just do penance and I wanted to leave and they didn't get that so. It was, I had to close a deal, and then that I did it, they're like, "All right, you're not getting permission to leave. You've been kicked out for nice." For, so it's like, "All right." It was like a spiritual rape, 
where I've, mm. I've given so much, but then it's like, I have to do this to leave. I mean, I mean, I enjoyed it. Shoot, I, it was my first time, you know. Oh, you, know, you are a red-blooded male. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. I, I was killing myself. You were trafficked all of the tarnation. You were in L.A., and then you were in Nebraska, Nebraska. and yeah. Delaware. Delaware. Then I went and to um, Philippines. Philippines. Back to Delaware. Okay. Puerto Rico. Back Deep. to Delaware. And then in Delaware, you, we do missions like in New York or like in uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland, things like that. You were in eight places? I mean, well, I was in a few places, yeah, but you're there for like a two-day thing, three days. Mm -hmm. In Puerto mm -hmm. Rico, I was there for like five days. I got in trouble for yelling back at a sister, so I came back to Delaware to do, they gave me solitary confinement for like three months. Yeah, well, in, in a total, I did about a year and a half of solitary confinement. My first time in solitary confinement was, I think it was from 2010 to 2011 or 2011 to 2012. That was for a year. That is horrible. Tell me what it entails. I, sensory deprivation is one of the largest tortures you can get. It's extreme. So the thing, is, I mean, they wouldn't call it solitary confinement. And, you know, for the longest time, I wasn't accepting it. I could sleep in my old room. Sleeping hours from, are from 10 p.m. to 12.45 a.m. And they wake you up, and then I have to be in the chapel all day from 12.45 a.m. back to like 9.30 p.m. And then they'll leave my food outside the chapel, and my drinks. And so I'm in there all day. And what they're trying to do is like make you pray. I guess make, make you pray the evil out of you. I don't know. It sucked. So I did a year, and then I get sent. And, and how much contact with another person did you have during that year? Well, the superior who was who made that who made that decision. Uh, whenever he would leave for mission, the other superior who was like the vicar, the one next, he would come and visit me, and the brothers would visit me like once a month, if ever, or like once every two weeks, and that was like a break. And he knew that I needed a break. But once the other guy came in, it's like okay, back to following the rules, and you know we don't know you. Well, yours was really extreme with the physical beating and the isolation. And that, that's why I had to do therapy. You sound great, Mayan. That's a lot of work you've been doing on yourself. I'm doing a lot of work, you know, on Twitter and on Reddit. You know, I see so much support. I mean, you feel so Good. alone once you get out of that community, out of that cult. What the hell just happened to me? But like going, like, you know, meeting people like you and, you know, the listeners who reach out. It's like, all right, you know, there's hope out there. There is 17 to 28. Yeah, correct. So I left uh, when I turned 20, mm -hmm. I think right before I turned 29. Now I'm 35. Mm -hmm. Now I'm an old man. That's what a survivor is, is taking that, trying to prevent someone else from having this experience. It's interesting to compare notes. I love it. Mm -hmm. For me, that's really been healing. Yeah, because even though I was in a New Age church, so many things you just said happened. I mean, isolation is a, is a torture that, if you're social, it really bugs you. Tell us about your podcast. What type of topics are you handling on there? What are you putting on your podcast? So I kind of just did it, like almost like a diary kind of thing, where I just tell my story. And actually, people listened. And, and I, enjoy, I enjoy talking. So, you know, the... The solitary confinement really sucked and it pissed me off. 
and now that I have a platform, you know, I, I use them more as a journal to like my first few, you know, so many episodes. It's been more like, you know, a testimony. And sometimes I still do that. However, like I said earlier, I want to invest more time reaching out uh, to other people. And now that I've uh, introduced myself to the audience, I'm open to listening to other people's truths. Interviewed a guy from my community. He was only there for three months. But then he left uh, because he felt so much pressure, for one thing. And he ended up getting on Catholic Match. And the, the thing is that he ended up uh, finding a sister from our community. So he got married. And, you know, <laughs> I have not tell his story. And, uh, but I'm, I'm open to hearing other people's, not just mm-hmm. trauma, because I know trauma exists everywhere. everywhere. I mean, I'm open to hearing people's traumas, but uh, also, you know, like, what's the healing factor? Like, what was, like, yeah. what was it that helped them to get out of it so that other listeners can, you know, learn something? So, well, that's how it's developing so far, but we'll see how the podcast goes. I'm leaving for Ireland, actually, in a few weeks to meet up with ex-members from my community, setting up a reunion, and maybe I'll do a podcast on that, ex-members. So we'll see. It's just, it's a journey, and I'm just getting started. The name of the uh, podcast on Anchor and Spotify is Truth That Heals. Truth That Heals. That's where they can find you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this opportunity. I learned a lot about the, um, the missions and the Catholicism and the way that the cult kind of infiltrated what was going on. It's funny how they all use the same playbook. But like the more we talk about it, the more aware people are. And some people are pissed For off sure. talking about it, but like, hey, whatever. Well, to all the haters, you say, hey, love you too, man. I'll get you to question and I'll get you to examine. Ryan, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Frankie. If you would like information on cults in the news, please join my new Substack, frankietees.substack.com. You're listening to The Frankie Files, frankiefilespodcast.com.